going to start with Revelation 5. We're going to go back there in just a second, but uh, let's pray. And I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians 15 just for a moment before we get into Revelation. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. It's new every day, and that's why none of us are consumed. And we're thankful for that, Lord. And we thank you for your word because you have uh, done so many things. You've created everything by your word. You, Jesus was the word made flesh. You sent your word and healed them. There's so much that, that we need, Lord. You've not left us in the dark. If we're in the dark, we choose to be that way, Lord. And so we're thankful that uh, we've not left us in the dark with your word. And we just pray that you'll give me the tongue of the learned, that the Holy Spirit will speak to us tonight through your word. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, Paul uh, kind of, he unfolds the rapture. I've talked a lot about how um, Jesus alluded to the rapture in Luke 21 when he said, pray that you be worthy to escape all these things. And then that's mentioned again at the church of Philadelphia that they'll be saved from the time of trials or testing. But here, Paul, because he is the apostle to the Gentiles, though he himself was a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, he is opening up the rapture, and he's the one that really, with here and Thessalonians, and he, he, he's the one that really gives us our information about it, because primarily the, the Gentiles are going to be primarily the ones that Leah's going to get married first, and then Rachel's going to get married seven years later, so... That's why Paul, I believe, was really given the, the, the way he was the one that was chosen to give us the exposition on the rapture. It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be, all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. For the, at the last trumpet... Now, I've, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, or grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he talks, when he speaks about not everybody's going to die, and we're going to be changed, and then Thessalonians, he talks more about that. He talks, he calls it here, he calls it the last trump. Well, here's where people try to build doctrine, they'll leave Corinthians and run over to Revelation and find the last trumpet blown and decide that's where the rapture's at. But this is, Paul is using, as you've heard me say before, this is about the Feast of Trumpets. So we have uh, unleavened bread as one of the festivals that God himself instituted. We have first fruits, we have Passover, and then we have just a little... Uh, lapse of time, and then we have Pentecost, and those are considered the early rain, and then we have trumpets, Feast of Trumpets, <clears throat> then we have the Day of Atonement, uh, <clears throat> Yom Kippur, and then we have Tabernacles. 
So all these things point to God's plan. Um, I was trying to wrap both of them, wasn't I? And then all these point to his plan. So the harvest starts with Pentecost. The harvest comes to a close here. And then these other things take place. Now, we, it's hard to put all this together in one night. But if you remember, I told you about the representation of how Israel will come back to the Lord. That represents the Day of Atonement. The, the, the rapture is illustrated by the Feast of Trumpets. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up tonight is because Paul uses this terminology, the last trump. Well, in the, in the uh, Feast of Trumpets, there are three shofars, or what we call trumpets, blown. <clears throat> and the last trump is not the last trump. They have a first trump, they have a last trump, and then they have the great shofar. So, and all these people, if they were serious about participating in the festival, they didn't know when these were going to be blown. So they had to bring their, it was the father's responsibility to bring his family within the proximity of where the priest would be blowing these shofars. And so he wouldn't know exactly when they were blown, but he would bring his family to where they could hear them so that they could ascend, right? They could ascend and be with the rest of God's people. There's so many parallels. <clears throat> but these shofars were blown to gather people for war and for assemblies in Israel. So they had to be within the proximity of being able to hear that. So I, I think that speaks of our walk with God, right? And being born again and all that, you know, that we need to be ready when the Lord's ready, right? We don't need to uh, just be... Uh, dilly-dallying, right? That's what we'd say. And Jesus puts that in a lot better ways than I do when he talks about people who are not ready. So just remember <clears throat> that we're looking for the Lord to return for all of us so that we can be together with him in the air. Not everybody's going to die. There's going to be people alive when Jesus comes back. I, I, have, I believe we're close enough to where there's a good chance all of us could be alive when the Lord comes back how close i believe we are that terminal generation so let's go to revelation chapter five and let's look at uh we're getting a picture of heaven and and chapter four that we did a couple of weeks ago uh and then chapter five we're getting a picture of things that are going on in heaven john's been called up to see things going on so there's a lot of stuff going on in heaven and some of these are the three things i want you to um Think about as we move through here, as you see the things that are going on in heaven, we see God's throne, we see the Lord's worthiness, and all this is being illustrated in heaven. And the third thing we see, we see uh, actually a glimpse into the third heaven or where God's at. That's what we're seeing with these pictures. So John has seen these churches, he's seen their troubles, he's told all of us to be overcomers, Nikeo, Nike people, and so that we can be ready when the Lord comes. And what did he tell a couple of those churches? He said, if you're not ready, I'm going to come and remove your candlestick and we'll remove the light from you. And we, we illustrated how that happened with Ephesus. So as we think about being in heaven, think of, put yourself in John's shoes for a minute and think about being in heaven and seeing all this take place. He said, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside 
and back and sealed with seven seals. So John saw the right hand. The right hand represents power, authority, strength, all that. We see him on the throne. Again, it represents sovereign power, the top of the the top of the power, the final authority. We know God is that. So he, we're seeing a picture of this illustrated with these passages. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose the, its seals? Notice he did not say, Who's the strongest? Now we know God's the strongest, but this seal... And the person or the one who can open it, it's based on worthiness. And watch what happens. It says, who's worthy to open the scroll and loose his seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Now, I know some churches make saints. But the Bible refers to all of us as saints. And it does not have anything to do with somebody being perfected or perfection. It has to do with being belonging to. Hagios is one of the words. And it means that we're belonging, like the words we used for church last week, Kyriakon, Ecclesia. How they, that's people who've been called out. Not somebody who's perfect. Now, we're, we know where we're headed with this, right? There's only one that's worthy to loose the seal. I don't care if a church or a group of people has made somebody a saint, whatever that means by man's definition. But by God's definition, He calls all of those who belong to Him saints. So you don't have to get some kind of vote or be dead for so long a time to be a saint. When you embrace Jesus Christ and you've surrendered your life to follow Him, that's what God classifies us as. So they're looking for somebody. Nobody in the earth, no one in heaven, no one under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And that terminology is going to be used again in a minute. So I wept much. Now this is John, right? Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll. So he knew that needed to be done and he was there for this occasion. And he's, uh, nobody could open it, nobody could look at it. And you know, those scrolls were sealed back in the day. And so if somebody was called to carry a scroll somewhere, then the way they sealed those with wax, they, they would know if they actually opened it or looked at it. But he said, one of the elders said to me, do not weep. And we saw these guys around the throne earlier. Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. This is part of God's plan. If you're going to understand God, and I know we've moved away from this in our world, but for God to be God, He has to have judgment. If He didn't have judgment, if God did not judge between right and wrong, if He did not judge sin, and he, uh, then He would not be righteous. So His righteousness, if you'll go back... And read the Old Testament, especially the Old Testament, and read some of those prophets, then you'll find out that when God talks about judgment, a lot of times it's His righteousness that's being mentioned right in that same context. In order for God to be full of truth, then judgment has to be a part of His makeup. And you've heard me say this a lot God is not being punitive now, He's being redemptive. 
But there's a day coming where he'll be punitive, where man will have his last stand, and they'll have to give an account. Now, let me say, let me, let me bring this to you, because this is the good news. All the judgment that anyone could ever have has been placed on Christ. So the way around being judged is to accept Jesus Christ, to make Him your Lord and Savior, and to believe on Him. If you don't, then you're going to have to stand before God for your own judgment. Now, I don't think that's going to work out good for anybody. So what we want to do, and this is, what God, this is why God, according to Peter, said, for the Lord is not slack. They were, they were basically saying before that in Peter there that, that the Lord had put off his, the Lord's not coming, and they've been saying that, this, that, and that. You, you'll hear that. I've been in circles, and I've had people say that to me. Ah, oh, they've been saying the Lord's coming back forever, you know, mocking. And you're going to hear that more and more, I believe, because we live in that kind of world. But the, Peter said, For the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come unto repentance. That's God's plan. That's what He wants. But His judgment has to be satisfied. And if you, in order for him to be righteous, he can't do any wrong, right? So if you don't accept Jesus Christ, and I'm talking to all you that are listening to me around the globe and get this podcast. If you don't accept Jesus Christ, turn away from your sin, repent, and accept him as the only begotten Son of God who died in your place and mine and rose from the dead. If you do not accept him, then you will have to try and satisfy judgment on your own now you think about that for a minute i heard the guy say uh he preached about heaven and his little son was captivated by it his son was in the audience where he was the pastor and his son the next day came up to him and said listen dad i had a dream about uh what you preached yesterday and he said what was it and he said well i saw this ladder kind of like jacob right and he said and uh, there was chalk at the foot of the ladder. And he said, chalk? He said, why was there chalk there? He said, because each step you took, you had to mark for a sin that you'd done. And he said, oh, okay. And he said, well, then I looked and you were coming back down the ladder. And he said, well, why was I coming down the ladder? I don't make He said, you needed more chalk. <laughs> You're not going to have enough chalk. None of us are, right? None of us are going to have enough chalk. We need Jesus, right? Our righteousness, Paul said, is as filthy rags. We need clothed, like that drum set's clothed over there. We need clothed with the righteousness of Christ, right? You all have seen me uh, use the illustration of the hanky, right? Well, the righteousness, we're clothed. That's how the, that God has satisfied our judgment in Christ. It's like Abraham, right? When he's getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, there was a male lamb, a ram caught in a thicket, and God, that was the substitute. Beautiful picture, right? Of what Jesus was going to do for all of us. And God does all these plays for us. If you read the Old Testament looking for types and shadows, you'll learn a lot because God keeps doing all these plays for us. He keeps setting this scene up for us, and it's all leading up first to the coming of the Messiah the first time 
Your whole Bible's built around two themes. Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming. Two times. That's what it's built around. And all these pictures of Joseph and stuff that we've talked about. But if you go back and read with Isaac, the Bible says, and most Jewish theologians believe that he was of the age of Christ when Christ was around in his 30s, even those that are not messing. So which probably means that Isaac could have overpowered his dad because his dad was a pretty old dude by that time. So it shows willful submission of Isaac. I know we always get these pictures of Jesus in a manger and Isaac a little bit. But as you, you know, you know how fast the years go. And so Isaac, the Bible said, they laid the wood on his shoulder. Picture of the cross, right? He willfully goes up. He willfully becomes the sacrifice. And Abraham was so determined, if we all had this heart, he was so determined to honor God and do what he asked, they, God had to speak again and say, don't do it. Now, that's why it's important for you and I to hear God's voice regularly. Because he keeps talking. God's a talker. He's a father. A father loves to impart stuff to his children and a mother. But he's a talker. And so Abraham, what if Abraham would have been so stubborn and legalistic, he wouldn't wait on God to speak again, or he couldn't hear it. And that's how we can get some. So you see all these parallels and these types, and Jesus is the one that's worthy. Obviously, he's the Lamb of God. He's the son of David, the root of David. And I looked, he's the one that had prevailed. Now, what had we been asked to do the first in chapter 2 and 3? He says, be an overcomer. You know what I hear in that? Don't quit. No matter what. Do not quit. Everybody in this building, and it's listening to me, you've had obstacles thrown up in your way. Every one of us. The devil hates all of us. And he, he tries his best. Sometimes he works through people. Sometimes he works through circumstances, situations, on and on. And he wants you and I discouraged. The devil can't defeat God. He's already tried that. The only way the devil can move or overcome us is if we back off. So just stay in the fight. Get up every time you fall. The Bible says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up seven times, right? Keep, I like what the old timer said. He said, when you fall, fall forward, you know. Keep going. Get up. Don't let this world beat you down. Don't let your circumstances beat you down. Remember, there's a heaven waiting on us. A place where you wake up in the morning and you jump right out of bed. Instead of going, oh. <laughs> and taking about 20 steps before you can actually lubricate everything. And so there's a day coming like that. I, I, one of the preachers, he said that he had a, uh, said he wakes up every morning. He's in his 80s now. And he said, he woke up feeling so good one morning. He said, he said, I knew I died and went to heaven. He said, I never, he said, it's been so long since I had no pain, he said. So he said, I reached over to see if my wife was still there. And he said, I, I was still here. He said, I just had a good day. But there's a day coming where there's going to be no pain, right? No more sorrow is going to wipe away the tears. We're going to see people. Can you imagine eating soup, beans, and cornbread beside of Moses? Yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be something, won't it? And can you imagine the onions they're going to have in heaven? <laughs> Sweet milk, an onion, cornbread, and beans. Is there a better meal than that? I don't think there is. I don't think there is. <laughs> Did you get raised on pinto beans? <laughs> I think that's all my dad ate, so he can't eat them anymore. They had to eat them every day, I think. So he's, he's, he's worthy because he's prevailed. Be an overcomer. An overcomer don't suggest somebody who's perfect. It just suggests somebody who won't quit. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Poor choice of words because we think of bad things when we hear that word in our English. But it's somebody who refuses to be denied. It's like that woman who came and wanted Jesus to help her daughter. And he said, yeah, but we don't give the meat from the master's table to dogs, right? Man, that would have been offensive to a lot of people, but it didn't, it didn't stop her. She kept coming. She said, yeah, but the dogs eat the crumbs that come off the tables." And he said, hey, you got it. Whatever you can. So we cannot be offended. We cannot let the devil back us in the corner feeling sorry for us. Just get up. Know that you're loved. Know that Jesus Christ has a plan for you. He's on your side. Just keep, look, keep your eyes on him. And it says, I looked, behold, in the, uh, he said, he prevailed. And I looked, behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now this right hand, as you know, as I've talked to you, it's another title for the Messiah, but it also represents the authority of God. He is the final authority. Now you got to, I, I, when you think about all the evil that's went on, not just in our time, but all down through history, if you go back to the garden and sweep your way back up here to where we're at today, you think about all the evil. God has got to be, it's not even close of how long-suffering He is. I mean, you think about how long-suffering God has to be to allow things to play out. And not just come down here and say, you guys are crazy. <laughs> and I'm through with you all. And so God is certainly long-suffering. He's merciful. He's gracious. And he's, even though he has the authority to stop everything at this second, he could just say, it's over. But he's, it's not his will that any would perish. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, now, uh, in Acts, when they were talking about Cornelius, they said he was a, a defender. The Bible said his prayers were, had built a memorial before God. Now, you think about that for a minute. In fact, let me turn to, you to Psalm 142 just real quick. I believe it's Psalm 142. Um, I may have that jotted down here. Psalm... Uh, One forty-one. I'm sorry, Psalm one forty-one. In Psalm one forty-one, listen to what the Lord says here. He says, "Let my the psalmist. This is the Psalm of David. Uh, he said, "Let my prayer be set before you, 
as incense. Now, we know with the prayer journey, which we'll be digging around some here before too long, that prayer journey, that altar of incense is the last thing before you go into the Holy of Holies where the ark's at. That's where we make our petitions, right? You've got this, all this other stuff going on in our prayer time before we get there. But our prayers are like incense. They go before the Lord. And according to the New Testament, they can build a memorial. Some of these grandmothers and these saints and these widows, they're, and some of these monks and nuns, they're praying, and they just keep stacking the bricks on it. <laughs> you know, keep bringing stuff before the Lord. And that's how we all should be, that we, we should pray that we're, we're praying enough to, before God that it's building like a memorial. It's keeping that in front of God. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 8 and 4. Let's go back over to Revelation because he says something similar here that we'll get to in the next session probably. But in 8 and 4, it says, <clears throat> look what it says, And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. So our prayers rise as incense before the Lord. Our praise, our worship, all that rises. So that's why he talks about it being when we worship, it's a sweet smell and savor to the Lord. So your prayers are like incense. What does incense do? You can walk in any room and tell immediately if somebody's burning incense, can't you? I mean, you can do it. You can just walk in and you can tell when people are burning incense. That, think about that. Your prayers, if you're praying, is getting God's attention. Because that's what incense does. Of course, the world uses it for all the wrong reasons now. But incense it gets our attention. It's distinct, right? I mean, you can walk in. and There used to be some stores and restaurants that you could walk in uh, and you could know right off the bat if they were burning incense. I had a couple of family members. <clears throat> they were legitimate incense burners. They weren't doing it to cover up something else. <laughs> you know, you know, I am from that part of the country, but <laughs> you, you know, a lot of them use it now to cover up something else. But <clears throat> the, you, it's a distinct smell, and it gets your attention. So think about that. Our prayers are going up before God as incense, and they're building a memorial there. Now, how much do you pray? Have you just got a couple of bricks laying up in front of God? <laughs> or have you, got, have you been praying where a wall's getting built, you know? And he sees what's going on there. So we want to pray. And then he, he says, there's what they sang. It says, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And have redeemed us to God by your blood. I mean, clear gospel stuff here, right? Out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign. Peter said we're a royal priesthood. We shall reign on the earth. So there it is, right? These people are coming back. Now, I believe we're seeing a picture here of the people who died in Christ, who rose from the dead, and those who are alive... These are the people who went to heaven pre the second coming. When Jesus comes back to the earth after the seven years of tribulation, he's bringing saints with him, right? So the ones that have went, who have died in Christ, 
Those of us who maybe get to go in the rapture, we're going to be in heaven in the hoopah or the honeymoon chamber. And we'll do a, probably a whole separate teaching during this series about the, the Jewish wedding. When you go into that hoopah, we'll be in the hoopah while the rest of the world's going through horrible tribulation. Now, there'll be people getting saved during that time. And then at the end, all of Israel's going to be saved. We, Paul said that. But Rachel's coming back at the end of that seven years. There's a lot going on. But we're going to come back. Behold, uh, the Bible says in Jude, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. And so these, we're, this will be us here singing this song. Whether we die or get raptured, this, we're, you're going to be a part of that, this chapter here. You and I will be the ones in heaven saying this because the church is gone at this point. We're in heaven waiting for the tribulation period to play out and then we'll come back with the Lord. And what did he say? We shall reign on the earth. We're going to rule and reign with him. What did Paul say? I believe it's Paul said, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. Now don't get so all bent out of shape and suffering. Suffering's part of the journey. And you're going to do it in different ways. But suffering, if we suffer with him, we're going to reign with him. That's good news. And see, he says, uh, Then I looked and, and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, glory, and blessing. So he's being lauded, right? He's being praised because he is the only one in the universe that's able to loose the seal. He's been tested, tried, found without sin, and he's worthy. He died, rose from the dead, all his strength, his power, honor. He is the one. John said, are you the one or, are we going to look, or should we look for another? He said, you go tell John. You know, John had already introduced him as the Lamb of God. Remember that? He said, here's the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And I've told you they were, back in those days, they had a concept of a dual Messiah because the Sadducees, basically. The Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection, but they believed in the Messiah. So you've got to have, if you don't believe in a resurrection, everything Isaiah says, you've got to have two Messiahs if you don't. So he didn't touch any of that, right? He just said, you go tell John, the dead are being raised, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and the good news. So he's the one. We don't have to look for another. He's the one that's worthy to loose the seal. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. So everywhere and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing, honor, glory, and power. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four and living creatures said, Amen, so be it, we agree to it. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. This is a picture of what's going on in heaven. And we'll get to be a part of this as the Lord either calls us home or we go in the rapture. And here comes the opening. Now, then I, now I saw when the Lamb opened one, of the four living, uh, opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a, loud, with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. 
He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, this has been confused as being Jesus. This is not Jesus. Jesus is coming back on a white horse in Revelation 19. This is the Antichrist. Everything the devil does, he does to mimic Christ. He's a deceiver. So he wants to come across as Jesus, as the Father, as God. He's going to go in the temple in the middle of the tribulation period, proclaim himself to be God. That's when the Jews' eyes are going to be opened. They're going to realize they missed the Messiah. He's going out on a horse. Notice what's here. He has, I look, behold, while he has set on him a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. No arrows are mentioned here. Just a bow. The Antichrist is coming into the world as a peacemaker at first. He's going to try to conquer the world with deception. Israel's going to make a covenant with him. The Bible's clear about that. Israel's going to make this covenant with him. They're going to go into greater deception. The world's going to think this guy is the top of the rung. And the world's getting set up for somebody to do this. Look at our world. It's not just America. You've got to look at our whole world. I went to the grocery store today to grab something, and I looked at uh, eggs. 18 eggs in Kentucky. $9.65. So we need some cheaper chicken somewhere. <laughs> the world's getting set in chaos. We got so much chaos. We got plenty of chaos in our own country. But it's not just here, it's all over the world. The world's getting primed for somebody to step on the scene and say, I've got some solutions for you. you know, that's how the devil works. That's how he works on all of us. It's no wonder he's going to work on the world the same way. He's going to come in like a friend. The Bible says if it's, uh, that he can appear as an angel of light sometimes, the devil. He's going to show up saying, hey, i got some good news. It's like I was talking to you uh, last week that if you tell a young couple that has no knowledge of the Lord and of the end of time and, and heaven and hell, if you start telling them in the nursery when their baby's born that if, we, if you let us put this chip in your baby, it can never be kidnapped, that's going to sound great. I mean, that would sound great to me if I didn't know how the Bible plays out, right? But the, the Antichrist is continually setting the world up. Satan, this, he's the god of this world. He's the, he's the god of this age. He's blinded people. And so you watch the world. We got chaos in the Middle East. We got chaos in Russia and Ukraine. China's having their own problems. It's just chaos in every country. And as that keeps getting hotter and hotter to boiling point, the world loves messiahs. They love people who can fix their problems. And so we'll, the world, now we're not going to be deceived because we're going to stay in the Word and we're going to be getting out of here at some point. But the world's going to be is getting set up for this already. And all the stuff's getting put in place to where they can, where the Antichrist will be able to control the world through power. It'll be deception at first, but then when they say, oh, you're not going along with the plans of the Antichrist, your phone's cut off, your water's cut off, your heat's cut off. You know, that's where this is going. You can't buy nor sell is how the Bible says. You can't go in. So you've got a young couple who missed the rapture, and during the first two years of tribulation, they had a baby, and this baby gets RSVP 24 months in the tribulation. 
and they go to the doctor and they say, hey, we need help. And they say, let's see you, Mark. But they remembered what Grandma said. She said, don't take the Mark. And now you've got a choice between your baby getting helped or not or eternal damnation. See, that's why today's the day of salvation. You wait and try to get saved in that setting. Now, people will get saved. It'll be the ones that are smart enough to say, I don't care if I die or not. I'm, going, I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm not doing this stuff. Those are, and a lot of them will cost their lives. I mean, we'll see that as we go through here. A lot of people that get saved in the tribulation period, they'll get saved and redeemed, but they'll, they'll be killed. And, or they'll be starved out. If you can't bind or sell unless you take the mark, and, and we know people who take the mark are doomed, right? They're going to wind up in hell. So you can't take the mark if you have any understanding. If your grandma or grandpa or your preacher or you get on YouTube and watch Live in the Water, if you get something, something that tells you, hey, do not take the mark, and I'm telling you that tonight, do not take the mark. But then you got choices, right? And you know how strong the flesh is. You're going to stand there and watch your uh, newborn die? You see what I'm... This is... I'm giving you real scenarios. A young couple that misses the rapture because they didn't, they didn't know Jesus wind up having a baby two or three years in tribulation period and their baby's going to die if they don't get help medically and they're standing at the door. The guards are saying, you take the mark and you can go on in. And then they remember... That crazy preacher out there in Danville said, do not take the mark. I do remember hearing that. You think that'll be an easy decision? Has anybody ever, we, we when our oldest son was born, Jared, we, we laid in oxygen tents with him ever so often because he had a lung issue until the Lord finally healed him. And you just, you just stay in that oxygen tent, watch his chest raise, make sure his chest is raising up. That won't be an easy decision. In the middle of the tribulation period when they say, you can't have it unless you take the mark. And they remember what grandma said at Christmas one time or around the Thanksgiving table. And hopefully they can get their hands on the Bible. So that's why today's the day of salvation. You want to bow your knee and confess now. You don't want to wait till then. It's going to be a tough situation. So the Antichrist is going to be a deceiver. And he's going to go out conquering with deception. And then the earth's going to start having trouble because God's going to start bringing some judgment in. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come and see, and another horse, fiery red, went out and was granted who said on him to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given him a great sword. So these are concepts of, that are showing us pictures. So there's going to be this deception to conquer people. There's going to be people turning against people. And we see, we see the beginnings of all that. You've got ethnic group. Jesus said ethnic group will go against ethnic group. You've got that going on in parts of the world already. But it's going to get ratcheted up. Everything you see that's going on now in the Great Tribulation, it's going to be ratcheted up probably a thousand times worse than it is now. Because the Bible says it's going to be tribulation like the world has never known. And the world's seen some bad times. The bubonic plague, world wars, the Spanish flu, things the early church went through that I shared with you a couple of years. They've seen some hard times, but nothing likes coming. Nothing likes coming. And, he, and so he says, they're going to kill one another, and there was given a great sword. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he said on it, it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, 
three quarts of barley for a denarius and 18 eggs for $9.65. Sometimes if I'm down Somerset Way, I go in that Kroger because it's like going in Macy's for a grocery store, you know what I'm saying? That's the biggest. Anybody been to that Kroger down Somerset? You know they were selling, a year and a half ago, they were selling eggs for 25 cents a carton. Now they're nine dollars. <laughs> I'm glad I'm on Jesus' side. <laughs> so, a uh, quart of wheat, and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened, now this is about food, right? We're already, <clears throat> I can't tell you the times, it's changed since COVID. There, I go to stores, a lot of times this stuff is not on the shelf. Used to, it was always on the shelf. I mean, and you imagine it getting worse, right? And things, uh, we're not in, in dire straits yet, but it's just like, it, it, it's going to get bad. So this one is, has to do with our food supply. And you start messing with the food supply, then trouble comes. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, behold, a pale horse, uh, and the name of him who sat on his death. It's chlorophyll, it's a Greek word used here for pale. And it, we've all heard this, right? Somebody, if you'd, if you'd have seen me after... Uh, I had my incident, you would have said this to me because I look like something out of a scary movie. All my blood vessels around my eyes had popped. and uh, You would have said, boy, your color's not good. Yeah. Right? How many, time, how many of y'all went home and said, their color wasn't good, right? There's this certain color that you can tell when somebody's not doing as good as they should. And so this, this is death, right? Death's coming on. He says, so it looked, behold, a pale horse... Name him who said on it was death, and Hades followed him, and power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and with, and by the beast of the earth. Now think about that for a minute. All this stuff's exponentially getting worse. This fourth horse has got it all. He's doing all this. A fourth of the earth's going to be killed by this scenario alone. But it says the animals are going to start turning on the humans. So this, world, this world's going into chaos. Nothing we're going through now compares to what's coming. It ain't even close. You're going to have the animals turning on humans. You're going to have... I read a, an account passed down through Jewish history over the years. It's just not canonized. But I read an account that, after, that they say happened with Adam and Eve after that they had fallen and disobey God, that Adam got attacked by an animal that he that caught him off guard because the animals had not acted that way. And this is just Jewish history for you. But had not acted that way toward them because Adam had dominion. He named all the animals, right? I mean, he's in charge. And once sin entered in, it affected the whole race because Paul said even nature's groaning for redemption, right? Not just people. We're ready for the Lord to fix everything, but even nature's. And, and the account they give is where Eve speaks to the animal and asks why it wasn't afraid to attack Adam, who was made in the image of God. See, but they're still trying to play under the, the guys that they hadn't sinned, right? But once sin entered into the race, it opened the floodgates for all of creation to be messed up. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to start seeing these things come full circle, and you're going to see 
all this death coming from every direction. Nothing will be safe. Nothing. And we know animals have a level of consciousness because Balaam was trying to do the wrong thing. The donkey was trying to save his neck because there was an angel standing there in front of him with a sword and the donkey could see it and Balaam couldn't. The donkey was smarter than the prophet. And remember, he's kicking the donkey and treating it mean and the donkey starts talking to him. I love the Bible. I mean, there's nothing in Hollywood that can outdo the Bible. The donkey starts pleading his case, right? Hey, I've been a good donkey. What are you treating? I'm just trying to save your life. Who's the dumb donkey? The guy riding's the dumb donkey. If I want to use old King James English, we know what he is, right? He's a dumb donkey, right? And he, so the donkey's the one that's seeing this. So there's some level of that. So the, all of creation is getting in an upheaval. The, the earthquakes are coming. The hurricanes are coming. The stars are falling from the sky. The rivers and streams are turning into blood. I mean, this chaos. The animals are going nuts. People are turning on each other. The Antichrist is here trying to control everything. And he eventually loses control. But he gets some control for a, a, a big portion of that. And so it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. And for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then the white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were were completed. So now we have another group. That first group that I, we saw, I believe that's the group of people that went in the rapture, the dead in Christ. Now we got a group that's been getting killed during the tribulation period because he tells them, he says, we got, you got some other brothers that are going to wind up dying because they're going to fight the good fight of faith. They're going to, they're going to be slain for the word of God. Now notice this. I'm going to close here. You can be as religious as you want to in our culture until you start saying, but God said it this way. When you start standing for God's word, that's when you get in trouble with people. They don't care if you go to church. They don't care if you act religious at certain institutions. But when you say, when you, say you know what, God's against that. God's got laws and boundaries. And he says that's sin. Now I know. If we live long enough, everything will be a sickness. There won't be any sin left. But I don't serve a God that sends people to hell for being sick. I serve a God that sends people to hell because they refuse to accept Jesus and to stay in their sin. There is sin. And we've all been guilty of it, so we ain't got any stones to throw. But those of us who have received the judgment, our judgment in Christ, whoo! That's good news, isn't it? I don't need any chalk. <laughs> right? I don't have to have any chalk because I've accepted my forgiveness in Christ. But if you don't accept God's forgiveness, the world, they, they're okay with you doing your thing until you start saying, 
you can't do that. That's why all the prophets got killed. They'd say, you can't worship a false god. That's not a false god. That's fake. Well, let's kill him. Right? If you stand for the word now, and that's what we do here in this church, it ain't going to get any easier. It's going to get tougher. And the Bible says even some in our own households won't like it. Now, hopefully your immediate family's good with it. But, you know, if you start branching out and saying, you know what, this is what God teaches and it's where I'm standing. That's when we get in trouble. That's when the world don't like us. They're okay if we go to church. But if we start saying, you know what, that's wrong. And God speaks against that. That's when the world gets upset. Why? Because Jesus said men love darkness more than they love light. We'll pick up back here next week. Lord, we thank you for this time we've had together. We thank you for your word. We know that you've got a perfect plan. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. Everything's planned out. You, you've always taken care of your people, bringing them out of Egypt, putting them in the ark with Noah. Everybody that looks to you, Rahab's family, was spared because they had a red thread cord hanging out of their window and the wall you're just such an awesome god all you ask is for us to follow you and play by your rules and uh what's so bad about that lord because all everything you've set up tends us to life you want us to have life and have it more abundantly and the enemy is trying to kill steal and destroy let us not fall into his traps and let us be a light to others so that we can help them not to fall into his traps in jesus name Thank you.